I'm speaking with Chris Reynolds with the Illinois Council of Best Management Practices. Chris is a certified crop advisor and resource conservationist for the Montgomery County Soil and Water Conservation District. And Chris, today we are going to talk about cover crops. Now, anecdotally, Chris, what have you sort of seen as the interest level in terms of farmers turning to cover crops and looking to that as a practice they may want to implement? Well, Angela, I think that the, you know, the interest level has um, definitely uh, continued to increase over the last several years. Uh, it's hard to pick up a farm publication or, or read something online without seeing uh, an article in regards to cover crops out there today. Um, a few years ago when uh, corn was $7, I think it kind of spurred some interest uh, among farmers uh, that were willing to uh, try some new things. Uh, with cover crops. I think the interest has, has steadily increased over the years, but uh, maybe not increased at a, uh, you know, as, as rapid of a pace as, as some of us who are working in uh, conservation would like to see. And of course, cover crops can be used for a variety of different reasons, just to increase field organic matter, decrease soil erosion, decrease nutrient runoff. When it comes to a farmer wanting to select a cover crop for their operation, how do they go about making sure they're getting what's right for them? Are there already go-to cover crops for certain situations or certain areas? Well, I think uh, the first thing that we need to determine, and that's where I usually like to work with the, work with the farmer and decide, you know, what are your goals with your cover crops? What are you trying to accomplish with them? And, and we know cover crops... Um, can accomplish several different things, but there are definitely certain species of cover crops that are better at uh, accomplishing certain goals than others. Um, you know, take compaction, for instance. You know, there's there's several of those that, that will do a good job getting rid of compaction, annual ryegrass and, and, and uh, radishes. Um, but, you know, let's look at what's going to do best for the goal that you have. Um, once we determine that, we also have to take into account, you know, the planting the timing of that planting for that cover crop and and that's I would say one of the one of the bigger um, hurdles that we have with cover crops is getting them seeded at the appropriate time um, and when we look at um, a lot of those uh, winter uh, cover crops like radishes or annual ryegrass we have a certain time frame depending where we're at um, in the state of what uh, when that planting date needs to be met. Uh, with things like cereal rye, we have a much larger window. Um, and so so those those planting dates also play a role in that. So there's a lot of different factors that we have to take into account. I usually try to work with guys uh, initially in the spring before planting their commodity crop and get guys to start thinking about cover crops at that point. Um, not that it's too late right now to think about that, but but definitely want to think about it the earlier the better um, so that maybe we can look at an earlier variety of soybeans or an earlier maturing hybrid of corn on some of those fields that we want to do cover crops. Sort of have a plan of action. Right. I think, you know, the best thing is to have a plan. Um, you know, we also we also have, have seen a lot of issues with uh, residual herbicides um, carryover um, coming into play in the fall. So, so it's really a it's a whole farm approach, a uh, whole field approach, I should say, 
uh, when we're looking at that. We need to know, you know, what herbicide program we're, we're going to be using and whether or not that will adversely affect those cover crops when we're wanting to get them seeded. The last thing that we want to do is have someone try and cover crops and, and have a failure because of because we had some herbicide carryover. Um, and, and proper planning, maybe we could have used something a little different and still had good weed control, but allowed our cover crops to get established better in the fall. All right. And of course, one of the reasons farmers choose to plant cover crops is to help with nutrient runoff with the hypoxia region in the Gulf of Mexico. That is quite the hot topic nowadays. And have we seen any results of how cover crops are helping with that situation? Yeah, we're starting to see some some pretty good research coming in. Uh, there's a, a pretty good plots up there at Illinois State uh, University uh, showing that nitrate reduction and looking at various you know cover crops and and uh, and different nitrogen application. Um, periods, you know, doing some fall application, what the effects are with cover crops on a fall applied nitrogen, as well as spring and side dress. So uh, there's some very good information coming out up there showing, um, and, and, and this this is through tile flow that they're looking at up there. So there's some very good information coming up out of there showing that, that overall nitrate reduction uh, through those tile lines. So I think that's some very promising uh, research that's going on there, and and we're going to be able to take that and and utilize it uh, when we're giving farmers information on a on a larger scale on their farms. And also, you know, we've got several water testing kits that are out there across the state um, through the Council on Best Management Practices and Illinois Corn Growers. Um, that a lot of the soil water conservation districts and farm bureau offices are participating in. And this has allowed farmers to bring their tile samples in and test their nitrate levels. And so that's very, been a very good education process. Um, all those testings are confidential. And, you know, a lot of what we've seen is that uh, fields that have had um, cover crops on them have a much lower um, nitrate level uh, coming out of those tile line systems. So I think that's very promising information and something that we're going to continue to look at as we as we move forward. It's always great to see when your efforts pay off. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, um, you know, that's the one thing we can look at. You know, we see that every year is different um, climate-wise, you know, and, and, and the weather we get is different. So, our, you know, we may be putting enough nutrients out there to meet a certain yield goal, but that doesn't always happen due to the, uh, due to the weather. And so what cover crops can do is come in after that crop and scavenge those nutrients up um, that may potentially be lost and take those nutrients and recycle them for that next crop. And I think that's where, you know, adding cover crops into a nutrient management plan uh, whenever we're doing looking at nutrient management planning can be very useful. All right. And what would you say may be the biggest barrier when it comes to farmers adapting cover crops? Well, it's, you know, it's something else that they, that, that farmers have to manage and uh, farmers that are used to, you know, highly managed systems usually uh, are very successful with cover crops. Um, but it's also something that, that is new to, to a lot of farmers and um, basically going out and trying them and getting some 
getting some experience with them um, goes a long ways. And we've seen farmers that'll go out and, and do their entire farms the first year they want to try them and are successful in doing that. And But I think it's just getting a good handle on that management that's needed. Uh, there are some, there are obviously with anything, there's going to be some, uh, a learning curve. There's also going to be, you know, some struggles. You know, we see uh, a wet spring like we had this spring in several areas. Um, we we definitely had some challenges with some of our cover crops, and and those are definitely experiences that we can learn from and learn. You know, maybe we can look at tweaking the seeding rates a little bit. Maybe we can look at uh, termination times um, and adjusting those termination dates. Um, to meet our needs as well. So I think it's just getting those guys experience and, and uh, providing them with, with information that they can utilize uh, if they're wanting to try cover crops. And what are your hopes for the realm of cover crops moving forward? What do you hope to see in terms of what's happening out in the fields? Well, I mean, I think we'd, we'd all like to see, you know, that are working in this in this field with cover crops and with conservation is, as we'd like to see a lot of green in the wintertime when those soils are usually bare and, and uh, subject to, to erosion and other losses. And, uh, but I think, you know, if we can just continue moving, um, moving guys to doing, trying more cover crops on certain acres and maybe targeting some of these more sensitive areas that we have in the state and looking at, uh, trying to reduce that nutrient loss through cover crops in those areas and, and, uh, and I think also the, the other thing we, that we're really striving for, uh, that we're really trying to get right now is some of, the, some of the basic economics of cover crops and just putting, um, putting a dollar figure to, um, the benefit of saving those nutrients and looking at that a little closer. Sometimes we may not see an economic benefit that first year using cover crops. Um, but we know that we're going to be making the soil healthier. And uh, so putting a putting a dollar figure to that soil health is something that I think as we move forward, it's going to be very important uh, in order to keep people's interest and keep people wanting to uh, wanting to try cover crops and try these new best management practices. Excellent point. Now, for farmers who are interested in diving into cover crops or maybe they're just looking for different ways they can approach it, what resources do you recommend? Well, they can, uh, they can look at the Illinois Council on Best Management Practices website. Um, has some very good research resources. Um, there are several cover crop specialists located throughout the state that are available um, to answer questions, take calls, um, meet with. We also do a lot of meetings and things like that throughout the year. Um, so a very good site for a lot of good information. It's kind of a clearinghouse uh, for the Council for Best Management Practices. Um, another good site for cover crops in general is the Midwest Cover Crops Council website, and that will give you a lot of uh, good information in regards to um, seeding rates, seeding dates, um, and things like that. And you can actually put in your specific region and area um, that you're that you're farming in. So the Midwest Cover Crops Council website is another uh, go-to uh, information center. All right, excellent. Chris, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we go here today? 
No, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate the conversation today, and I uh, hope that if anyone is interested in trying cover crops for the first time or interested in increasing their cover crop adoption, that they'll you know, maybe look at going to some of these cover crop events that are uh, throughout the state throughout the year, and also, you know, get in touch with one of the specialists in your area. Contact your your local soil and water conservation district for more information, as well as the Natural Resources Conservation Service. And um, I think there's a lot of very good uh, very good people out there right now working with uh, working working with cover crops and we're. We're learning more every day uh, about what works good and what uh, and and what we can uh, increase our level of information on. All right, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Angela. Again, that was Chris Reynolds with the Illinois Council of Best Management Practices. Chris is a certified crop advisor and a resource conservationist for the Montgomery County Soil and Water Conservation District.